Hello, and welcome to another episode of Cyber Matters. I'm your host, Russ Dorsey, a principal and CIO at Kasuf & Company. Cyber Matters is part of the Kasuf Podcast Network. Uh, this show is where we talk about cyber that matters to us, our clients, their families. Uh, it's the things that we use in technology and cyber to enrich our lives, but also certainly and unfortunately the, the things we sometimes have to do to protect ourselves in an ever-changing and very dangerous world. Um, we've been talking in the last few episodes of uh, you know different types of fraud and phishing and scams and those kinds of things. And to, to kind of bring this part of the series to a, 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 a point, uh, we've invited Amanda Sin, the uh, director of the Alabama Securities Commission, to join us. Um, Amanda, I'm going to go ahead and bring you on camera here. Hey, Russ. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. And you said the last here, but it's certainly not best for last. You've had an incredible line of speakers this summer, and I've enjoyed listening to them. Well, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting but disheartening thing that we have to deal with. I mean, it's, it's a shame that every time some fantastic new technology comes out, I mean, even going back to the printing press or, you know, mail, phone, TV, it doesn't matter. The, the fraudsters and criminals are just sitting there waiting to see how they can exploit it. Um, but it's, it's, it's good information. Um, and some of the things that are going on are just, are, you know, just fascinating. Um, my dad always said it was amazing what somebody can do in the criminal enterprise if they have 40 or 50 hours of free time a week. You know, right. Well, to, we, we say, you know, if these criminals would just apply the efforts and their wares to a legitimate trade, they'd make just as much money and not risk going to prison. So um, we also said that they ripped their latest frauds out of the headlines. And we see that happening, especially during COVID. The schemes are rampant. They just track the front of the Wall Street Journal. That's amazing. Well, let me uh, introduce you formally. Uh, Director Sin has been employed uh, with the commission since uh, 2008. Uh, former role as chief deputy director, you were responsible for supervising the activities of the commission in regulating the security industry, protecting investors, and promoting the stability in Alabama financial matters. Uh, you advised the commission on security-related matters, investigating and prosecuting fraudulent actions uh, surrounding the sales of securities through the state of Alabama. Um, you're a Montgomery native. I, I note here that you went to Huntington College and then up here to Cumberland School of Law. So you are a, an attorney in the, uh, right, is that correct, by trade? Correct. Okay. Yep, that's right. mm -hmm. uh, but you've recently stepped into the role of director uh, of the uh, of the commission, and you said in May, right? So. That's correct. My predecessor and an extraordinary uh, mentor to me, Joe Borg, held this position for nearly 30 years. So he, the transition was so seamless, I feel like I've been in this role for some time now. <laughs> Well, con congratulations on the position. It sounds sounds like an, an exciting place to be, an exciting time, uh, and um, I'm really glad that, that, again, you can take time out of your busy schedule to, to come on uh, and, and talk about some of these things. Um, I think, for you know, the first thing would be to, uh, you know, to tell us, uh, for those of us that I, I've only become aware of the commission probably in the last couple of years uh, through some of the work I was doing, um, and uh, really appreciate the support and the partnership we've had on some things. But uh, for our listeners, tell us, uh, you know, about the commission uh, exactly. Sure. I tell folks this is a, Alabama's best kept secret. Um, and I often ask this question of members of the public when we're out at, at outreach events. And I'll say, have you guys ever heard of the Securities Commission? And some of them raise their hands and they say, sure, you guys regulate security guards. Uh, that is not the case unless they are uh, selling investment advice securities or dispensing investment advice. So our office is it's situated in Montgomery, Alabama, and we are the agency responsible for, um, I hate to use the term regulating because we're often a resource, but uh, the watchdog on the securities investment side. 
We have approximately 70 employees here. We um, investigate and prosecute our own cases. So we see, believe it or not, in Alabama, a ton of securities type fraud, investment fraud. Um, we enforce the Money Transmission Act, which is probably something you guys have never heard of, but it has become a very popular act uh, since the evolution of digital currency. So people that transmit stored value, including cryptocurrency, fall within our jurisdiction. Uh, we do a couple of other things like enforce Lisa's law to be sure that uh, criminals that are prosecuted uh, aren't profiting from any um, you know books they may have written or any publicity that they've garnered around their crimes. And we ensure that our victims in, uh, are repaid those funds, our victims' families. Um, and we also have a, a registration and auditing division that, so if you come to Alabama and you want to engage in the securities industry, you check in with us, uh, we get you properly registered or licensed. Um, we have auditors that go out every three years, generally, unless it's for cause. For example, if we get a complaint from the public that says, you know, this broker just stole all my money, I know he did. Um, that's, that's very rarely the case. We have a fantastic financial community in this state, uh, we partner with them regularly uh, to combat fraud and, and do other types of things for the public. But so this division is available. Um, like I said, they're they're making sure our, our industry, you know, we don't have bad actors, just like in the legal field. We want the bad lawyers out. We want the, the bad players out, which again, in Alabama, we don't have very many. Um, but we're also a resource to our financial industry as well. We get calls all the time from industry participants, um, just bouncing ideas or, you know, if they want to, better understand a new rule or regulation so we're here for that as well and we also have this small division but they do so much uh, on the investor education and public outreach side so for example last year we conducted over 100 in-person uh, educational events uh, were hosted by various organizations or um, possibly district attorneys in town um, we've had school systems that wanted us to come in and talk to students about investing and saving um, elder senior groups, I hate to even use the term elder because all of us are victims of fraud, uh, but we do a ton of educational work there to uh, make people aware about financial exploitation and fraudulent practices because the best way to prevent uh, fraud and from losing money to fraudsters is through education. And we've learned that here. I've been with the commission now 15 years and I was hired in as a prosecutor so I was on you know one side of the house and now I split my time I still keep a few criminal cases but um, primarily I'm focused on reviewing the reports that come in and and helping our public um, with various matters that that our agency can and services that we can provide that's a uh, that's quite a lot being done how, how, how big is the ACS staff I mean how many people are you got working on this mission we have approximately 70. I didn't even mention in our enforcement division, I said we investigated crimes that we have 14 A-post um, law enforcement certified personnel that receive the complaints from the public. We get referrals from the SEC, the CFTC, FTC, our uh, federal counterparts and the FBI and Secret Service, and we investigate those. So we're all on the same floor. It helps to have our, our law enforcement team here and our legal departments just down the hall. So when we receive a complaint from the public, we can, um, you know, hit the ground running and investigate it. And if it, if it rises to the level of an enforcement action, whether it's a, an administrative type action, which we can do in-house, civil or criminal, which is what we do mostly prosecute criminal cases, we can go ahead and draft the indictments. And um, through our colleagues in the district attorney's offices, our DA friends, 
uh, we present it to the grand jury in the in the proper circuit. So we move pretty swiftly on the criminal side, and we take those responsibilities very seriously. Uh, and I, I just took over for a 30-year veteran, and you know it's hard to follow in his footsteps, but it is an honor to serve Alabama in this way. And we hope that this the listeners will use us as a resource as well. We take phone calls. I have two live people at the desk answering calls. You won't receive an automated response here unless occasionally we have to put the voicemail on if someone has to run and pick up mail and we're shorthanded that day. Yeah. And, and and we'll make sure to get the numbers and, and things in, in the notes. So, I mean, it, it is a uh, an active uh, in, uh, organization that uh, consumers really as a you know, consumer fraud can just reach out directly make mm-hmm. the reports and then you guys are then following it all the way through to the grand jury and getting the cases built so yeah that it's it's quite a uh, it's quite an amazing organization i, I learned in uh, in past um uh, presentations that i've i've, I've attended uh, that we you know we we're actually a national leader in a lot of ways that the the mm-hmm. commission is on, on, on under the leadership and you know as pioneered a lot of things uh you know as, as far as that goes so uh, it's a great thing for the state, um, and, and appreciate I just, that. On that vein, let me just uh, give a shout sure. out to our agency and our legislature who assisted in this endeavor. In 2016, Alabama was, by maybe a few days, the first state to pass the um, financial exploitation reporting law. So in 2016, we worked with the legislature, our governor's office, and we, and with industry who had asked for this to mandate reporting of suspected financial exploitation of our seniors. So if, because you can, you can stop fraud on the front end, once the money's gone, the chances of recovering it is, is nil. So, um, so this law now has been adopted by over 32 states and we are uh, constantly, you know, our efforts have been highlighted because of the, the millions of dollars that we've been able to prevent through this law. And um, it's just been a, a fantastic opportunity to partner with our industry to combat fraud uh, against our seniors. And so um, Alabama took the lead and that was because of the support of the public. Yeah, that's, that's great. Well, let's, uh, you know, to, to, to talk about some of the things that are, that are going on, um, you know, what, what types of, of scams, you know, are, are we aware of? I'm just, you know, to, to, to jump right in with both feet. What's, okay. What is currently trending? Uh, you, you'd men, you mentioned, you know, to start with that the, the bad guys are following the following the headlines, but, uh, but, but what are you seeing right now that's, that's really at the top of the list? For us, there's so many. I, um, <laughs> like I said, I'm in a unique situation yeah. here that well, we just, get reports in. Just pick your favorite five, you know, just, 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 just pick yeah. the top five. That makes it easy. But uh, yeah. i say a very popular one now, and like I said, with the evolution of cryptocurrency has been a scam that, uh, that is unfortunately referred to as pig butchering. I hate to use the term, but it has been coined pig butchering by um, by the public you know, industry people that are seeing these crimes. And uh, that involves a fraudster who contacts someone through the Internet primarily and, um, you know, gains their trust. And these are crimes of trust, which are why, you know, they have such devastating consequences, not only physically, but emotionally. So the victim will gain the victim, excuse me, the fraudster will gain the victim's trust. Um, they usually direct them to a phony website that um, that indicates that the fraudster has made millions of dollars in cryptocurrency. And Russ, crypto is still you know, something new and exciting and unknown, despite its, its near 10-year existence now. It's been out for some time. 
but people are still unsure about how crypto operates and um, they're still hearing that people are making millions of dollars off cryptocurrency. So there's an allure there. And so these fraudsters capitalize on those types of things. So they draw the victim in. And this is where the term pig butchering comes in. Uh, they often go in small at first. So our victim will see the website, see that this guy has made, or gal, tons of money. And he'll ask for an investment. He or she, the fraudster, will ask for an investment. Because we've had female fraudsters in these schemes. Um, usually a small amount at first, a modest investment. The investor receives a return on it as promised and he the fraudster may do this two or three times before going in for you know fattening up and and going in for the kill and I, like i said i use that term um because it's an industry it's a term that has been widely used and popularized but it is something that we're seeing we have several enforcement orders out on our website that describe these scams and um, and nationally, I've talked to our colleagues nationwide, and they're seeing a lot of these cryptocurrency type scams. And like I said, it's called pig butchering. Yeah, so so it's, I mean, I imagine there's a bit of a, a Ponzi scheme because because to make those returns, they're they're probably pulling money out of the next victim and giving it to the current one to. So you say they'll cycle two or three times. I might put five thousand in, get ten back, and mm-hmm. they and they might let me do that a time or two before they hit me for the fifty or the hundred, right? Sure. We've been able to trace these funds. We have this fascinating software, cryptocurrency tracing software. So we can see not we can often determine identities. And that's the that's the allure for fraudsters to use cryptocurrency is the anonymity. But we can see the funds being transferred from wallet, digital wallet to wallet. And uh, certainly all of the money that is being given back to the victim in order to gain further gain the trust and confidence of the victim is either the victim's money already that's just being returned in part or um, a collection of funds that they've that they've stolen from other individuals sadly and and because they're might have turned the investment around maybe it took a week maybe it took two weeks if they if they really pace it out when they mm-hmm. do get when they do get me for the 50 or the hundred thousand I'm not expecting that money back in a couple of weeks so I've lost my window to do the uh, BEC kill chain or do any kind of recovery because they've taken the money and then I've been sitting there for a couple of weeks waiting for my return, right? So they really do. Yeah, Yeah, that happens all the time. Once the the fraudster determines that he or she is, you know, sufficiently stolen what money they can steal or if the victim starts asking the right questions and um, maybe gives some indication that the victim has, has contacted authorities the fraudster will run off and you and you don't hear from that person again. And, so and 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 when they do take things down of course I imagine they could even uh, uh Lynn Shobin one of his uh, episodes mentioned this uh you know this next time it's I'm, I may have lost money this week but next week I'll make it back so I imagine yep. I, I imagine they could take me for well they, yeah they probably could take me for 50 I'm that gullible. And then give me a reason, and they might could come back and get another fifty or another hundred. Say, well, we're gonna let you win that back. That's that's. I mean, that's just straight up uh, house rules at that point. Well, you know, let's let's go double or nothing. Because yeah, you lost that fifty, but this this opportunity will come back. So they really can get into people. Uh, what is probably yeah yeah. yeah I, I mean, what is probably the largest loss that comes to mind that you know that an individual was taken for? I mean, just just to give us some some scale here. Well. Uh, uh, individual loss we have collective losses of over 1.6 billion and, and one of the largest ponzi schemes that we coordinated with other jurisdictions on but um you know i've seen 
one individual lose 12 to 13 million. I'd, uh, more than that, I just, I don't have my, my data here, but this is a recent elder exploitation case. And so it's a particularly egregious crime. And she was taken advantage of by a caretaker. I know we hear these scenarios all the time, but we, but it does happen in Alabama. And I don't want your listeners to say, all right, well, I'm firing all the caretakers are stealing from us. And that is not the case. We have a fantastic uh, caregiving community. Um, just be sure that, you know, you have the right person. And um, I could talk, you know, about the registry that was created and passed and that the Department of Human Resources now maintains. So to determine whether that particular caregiver is on a list, uh, if that's something that your listeners might be interested in sometime, or you can link to it. But this woman um, trusted her caregiver and she was placed in a hospital uh, for some time. And during that time, the caregiver obtained a power of attorney, went to the advisor, transferred over $12 million out, bought houses and cars and uh, just blew it. All three, is, it, it was the caregiver and her um, daughter and a, and a co-conspirator. And so all three were prosecuted. But this was a crime that that happened in the physical world, you know, yeah, it was it one of our online scams. Yeah. So uh, you, you say so 1.6 billion just, just in a, a, a scheme that you guys were working. So that's still, it, it doesn't take much, you know, with, with elderly, you know, they, they've got most of the national wealth because of where they are in life. And, 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 you know, some are sitting on six, seven, eight figures. Um, I mean, what, I, I guess when the, scheme collapses, they take the websites down. Imagine they're branding these websites out at 30 a minute, so they just, just change over to an URL and keep on going. But they they just take everything down and ghost everybody and, and pop if up. Another one pops up, it's like whack-a-mole. Yeah. Our office early in COVID, um, you know, we said, well, what can we do? We know that the frauds are about to be rampant. From day one, we received uh, a picture from Homeland Security. A, a friend of mine sent over a a photo of a pop-up tent that once people started testing and you know everyone was trying to figure out what was going on so if the fraudsters put up a pop-up tent they they don their their white like hvac suits and had people fill out forms to get tested and give all their personal information and and went through the motions of testing people and of course the whole thing was a fraud so so beginning with that i mean the frauds pop up so quickly our office said hey what can we do um so we initiated a, a covid suite and we had investigators that were trained to identify fraudulent websites. And Russ, we discovered over 200,000 COVID-related websites that were generated within weeks of this virus, you know, ripping through our country and and and, and taking lives. And so, um, you know, fraudsters were were on top of it. They were faster, almost obviously, than the authorities could get there. And so we we notified uh, the domain providers to take these fraudulent websites down, several of them. And um, but as, as soon as you take them down, another one pops up. You just have to be careful, and that's what we encourage our um, friends in Alabama to do when they are online, because there are so many fraudulent websites. And the companies, you know, they they listen to law enforcement and they take down websites when we notify them. But but they're just so voluminous that the domain providers have a hard time, you know, discerning, you know, fraud versus legitimate. And um, so it's incumbent upon people that are on the internet, our online users to be sure that they are not on an, a fraudulent website. Okay. And yeah, we will, we'll come, come back to that with some, some tips here towards the end, but I'm, I'm looking down the, again, the list Nick sent me and, uh, you know, as far as cryptocurrency investment scams, we talk about pig butchering, which is really the long, um, you know, 
the long game, if you will. So what are some of the other, uh, you know, scams that might be just quicker hits, uh, you know, or, or what are some other things just to make us aware of that, that, that you're seeing? We still see the imposter scams, fraudsters pretending to be someone official, you know, a government personnel online. Um, I know during COVID, a lot of people who weren't social media users turned into, you know, social media users. There were a lot of us that that didn't really online shop or use online retailers. Um, we've learned now that we can conduct our nearly our entire lives online. So imposter scams take advantage of social media sites. You see the pop-ups. We see um, a, a lot of artificial intelligence driven scams or AI type frauds. And those uh, pop-up windows that you see online if you're on a website and it says well hey how can i help you you know those type things come up and and it causes the user to engage quickly and once users engage especially some of our um our widowed seniors who are just looking for friendship um, will engage the fraudster online and and they're typically asking for um you know help or assistance if it's a romance type thing um we see um broad uh, IRS is still, you know, those IRS scams are still alive and well, especially around tax season. A pop-up window will, you know, show up on the screen and say, hey, you just, we just received your return, but you owe, you know, X number of dollars and people click on it. And once you click on it, you know, sometimes it'll give a hacker access to your accounts. Um, last summer, we saw a an investment firm an investment firm's website ripped off. So clients of the firm or any user, if they well, clients, if they were interested in, you know, logging in to transact business or just checking the balance on their account or looking at, you know, their portfolio would log on and log in immediately a pop-up window appeared on the screen and notified the customer that, that this, website you know was being updated and that 5g towers were now in play and that they needed to click here to be redirected i can't tell you how many uh you know individuals lost money in alabama and and around the country on that scam and so once they were redirected the fraudster you know had the information that was already logged in and all transfers or transactions that were initiated in those accounts were um you know just directly sent to the fraudster and i'm sorry i have a probably a fraud complaint calling in I intended to turn this phone down. No, that's, that, 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 that's quite all right. And it's, uh, it's, it's interesting when I ask you that question about other scams, you basically, your answer is everything. Uh, it's, they can be twisted and exploited. They are finding a way to do it. That's uh, yeah. The, the, the hijacking of the sites, uh, you know, we can, can talk about some of the ways and then actually Lynn mentioned that in his last uh, episode too, was this is how law enforcement, there's certain ways that, organizations uh you know are, are going to engage you um i think that, you know we 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 we've talked quite a bit about about elder you know elder fraud and obviously there's a you know a sense of pride there and a sense of independence that uh you know the the elderly you know have that gets preyed upon you know that i'm not going to be a victim i'm smarter than that you know those kinds of things that's that's how i feel the older i get i remember feeling this way as a teenager i was pretty pretty smart and invincible and then i realized how dumb i was for a while but now i'm i'm getting to the point so I imagine that just gets worse. Um, <laughs> oh, Russ has been listening to all these podcasts. You're well informed now. Well, yeah. Protected from fraud. 
you know, you'd, you'd be surprised. I, I remember uh, when my family was in the retail grocery business, and I remember the first time, you know, uh, a guy gave me a, uh, you know, a 20 and got changed back for, you know, a 50 by the time he was done with me and my dad explaining what flim flam was. Uh, <laughs> I never figured that stuff out. It was always just right over my head. Um, you know, there's a spider sense some people have about this, but but you're right. When you talk about websites and and those kinds of things for the elderly, you, you hope there's a sense of, you're right, we can educate and say, hey, mom and dad or, you know, uncle, aunt, we, you know, let's, let's make sure we understand this. The sites that are, you know, popping up, you can't trust things. But the, um, you know, as far as the younger people that have grown up immersed in this, um, you know, I, I have a hard time when I talk to these these lettered generations, you know, X and Gen Z yeah. and all these, <laughs> so, sometimes they are very uh, savvy on this. And sometimes you wonder a little bit. And, and then you see all this financial stuff popping up. I mean, these, the, you know, the, the, the mint banking, you know, and, and all, oh, here, oh, here's this credit card that makes your life easier. And, and it seems like the same thing I saw in college, you know, and, you know, the first thing that they handed me when I got to college, other than my room key was an application for a credit card. It seemed like, yep. and, you know, in the, the college t-shirt. Now they're just hitting them straight on the internet in high school. And, you know, so same I, methods, different platform, different, you know, environment. Yeah. So, so, so you're seeing, you know, as, as far as demographics, yeah, I, I guess they go just basically after everybody that might have an income. Uh, right. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, FTC, um, the federal trade commission releases a report every year and they identify the, or reveal their, their statistics because people file complaints from all over the world with FTC. And so they identify trends and, uh, last year, they revealed that the um, the most targeted, or excuse me, the, the most vulnerable, the ones that fell for, not targeted because it would be the senior group, but the group that fell for the fraud um, most likely was the millennials. And it's because they conduct their lives online. They share more than any generation. It may be Gen Z now, but they, they put themselves out there so fraudsters can easily collect tons of information about them and, and specifically target them. Um, and they also do a lot of online shopping, and we've seen uh, several retailers that are fraudulent offering discounted luxury items. So if you're younger, you know, I was, I was always looking for the cheapest product I could find at the time, you know, I didn't have any money. And, um, and so if I saw a good deal, I thought, oh man, this is really something. And this is out in the real world, so I could pick it up and touch it and see it. Um, we didn't have online shopping when I was growing up, believe it or not. And so these, you know, younger generations, they are losing money to retail scams. Uh, and also, you know, several of them, excuse me, as they get closer to college are looking for grant money. We've seen a lot wow. of, of grants, um, student loan type scams. And um, so it's just so easy. You don't know, you know, which sites are legitimate. And there are so many now lenders offering uh, different rates. And uh, with inflation, you want to find the lowest rate. So I just encourage everybody, you know, the safest place to be is just locked up in a closet, no internet, you know, keep people out, but we can't live that way. So we do. Technology does provide a lot of conveniences and services that we appreciate, but the trade-off is that, uh, you you know, you risk being a targeted or a victim of, of a fraud. Yeah. Well, we, we, we've got so much more to discuss. We, we're definitely going to break this into two segments. So, so, so we'll come up on a break here in just a minute, but you kind of alluded to that I mean, some of the things that we need to be doing, obviously, in, in families, is making sure that there's education and awareness. That's that's the first thing, um, <clears throat> with, with, without a doubt. And uh, but but as far as you know, as far as vetting a site, it, it's 
there's 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 definitely a you know fear of missing out there. There's you know feeling well I'll, I'll get online. It's like you said if it's the uh, uh, secret shopper things and then things. I mean my wife the stuff she comes across and says well, this looks interesting and I say no it doesn't. Uh, you know, <laughs> That's right. You know, but 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 yeah. but but all the all the things that they push at you if you do find something. Uh, you know, that, that looks like a legitimate thing. Obviously, you guys, from what you mentioned earlier, are, are on top of these things, these trends pretty quickly. So you've got uh, uh, sites or, or, or lists or, or there places they can go to vet things, you know, that just in general terms. Or... Yeah, if we receive it, you know, we can send a letter to the domain provider. They're pretty good about taking down websites that we submit and, and list as fraudulent. If, you know, you want to just verify every website. I tell people to Google and take the, the URL, post it. There are websites that identify scams. Um, oftentimes they'll pop up in one of our orders, but you can find out a ton of information just by Googling, you know, the name of the site that you are searching. And if you, if you Google it and there's not a lot, maybe, you know, when you, when you look at the list of, um, of sites that come up in response to a Google search and maybe this website doesn't appear in the first 10 sites, it's just down then it usually is an indicator of fraud, but they're always welcome uh, to contact us. You know, the FTC maintains some, a database of a certain fraudulent, uh, not sure if websites, I know like phone numbers and businesses, but it, but it's so it's so prevalent and, and innumerable that it would be hard to keep up with all of them because they change quickly. Once one comes down, another one pops up. But doing the research before you purchase, you know, from a website or it's certainly ha have any type of financial transaction executed on that website. You've got to be uh, diligent before before transmitting money or exchanging any type of money. Yeah, the, the the search engines have gotten so much more aggressive. That's that's a very good point you bring up. I mean the the sites when they come up, if if I'm dealing with a site that's got any legitimacy at all, it'll have a, a social media and a Google presence and a search presence uh, that ought to go back for a long time. Now they can fake some of that, but you're right, a, a new site isn't gonna have anything then you then I guess the bad guys there's a sweet spot in there for a couple of weeks and then you're going to start seeing the complaints hit in the search engines and you're going to say this this is fraud um, yeah. and you, you obviously can't call the the numbers I mean used to be you would you would think well we'll call and talk to them um, you know just like I might if I wanted to bank with uh, you know bank out west or something but now with AI you know you can't mm -hmm. uh, and 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 with the voice synthesis and things they're doing you can't uh, count on being able to you know vet somebody through a phone conversation so um, and many of these places don't even have brick and mortar offices any any longer you know yeah. you can't go to a physical location to verify a retailer's website or a, a banking institution's uh website and so it's harder now to to verify when the the, the business exists you know exclusively online yeah right, well that's a, 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 a probably a good place for us to uh, to wrap this first segment uh, unless we're, we're going to come back and get into some more details. So, so Amanda, I appreciate, uh, appreciate you being here um, with us for this first part. We're going to take a, a, a quick break. Let me reset uh, and come back. So I want to thank everybody. Let me see if I press the right buttons here. I want to thank everybody for um, uh, joining us for this first segment. As I said, uh, please catch us uh, in, in a week or so after we post part two of this. But uh, we've been speaking with uh, Amanda Sin, the director of the Alabama Securities Commission. Um, and this, of course, has been Cyber Matters. Um, powered by the Kazoo Podcast Network. I'm your host, Russ Dorsey, and we will be talking to you again soon.